Good afternoon, good evening, good night, good morning, good afternoon. I don't even know what the hell I'm saying. It's 2020, the year that never ends, and every day is just like the last. It is your pal, the Fish K King, the Schmuck, Michael Hofeld. I hope you're all doing well, staying safe, um, not killing your friends and family uh, or pets or other things. Uh, it's a weird, crazy world that we're living in, and I'm here to give you a little bit of a break from whatever the hell is going on uh so today gonna cover a couple things um mainly gonna cover uh the nba briefly i'm gonna talk about sports cards because with all that's going on and how little we can all do um it's been building and building and building and i couldn't help but get involved the last few months um so i'm gonna talk about that maybe a little about DraftKings and michael jordan uh, that was something I woke up to today that uh, I don't really know uh, how I feel about it. Um, but we'll talk without. I'm going to start with the NBA. And uh, for many of you who listen to this podcast over the years, you know that I am a Sixers fan and that I have long called for the firing of Brett Brown. And uh, last week, uh, it came to fruition. And I want to start by saying this. I like Brett Brown as a person. I even like him and think he can succeed as a coach. There are just times where the person and the place just don't match up. I have often felt that uh, Simmons and Embiid had stopped listening to him. And simply the fact that he could not get uh, Simmons to shoot is the reason why. I mean, there are a million reasons to fire him. Um, but that's the simplest reason for me. is He, he couldn't get Simmons to shoot. He couldn't develop talent. Uh, he meddled too much in the front office when they switched from Colangelo to Brand, who I also think should be fired. Um, and might, it might be a bigger problem. I think that if there was a stronger GM who gave Brett Brown the right roster, he might have been able to do more. But uh, obviously, signing Tobias Harris and, and uh, Al Horford over, you know, keeping Jimmy Butler was a massive mistake. And that's not, I don't know how much of that is Brett Brown's fault, but not making it work with Jimmy but Brown last year. Jimmy Butler last year. Certainly Brett Brown's fault. So am I happy that Brett Brown is gone? Uh, no. Um, I'm, I, it's a necessary step. I think that um, it should have been done a few years ago. At this point, I think that the bridges may be burned between Simmons and Embiid. Uh, I, I don't think they can coexist. And that's unfortunate. Uh, you know, I, I like both of them as players. And, uh, you know, I also think that it's extremely challenging to succeed in the current NBA with your center being your best player. Um, no matter how good Embiid is, I just don't know if it works. And it certainly doesn't work when you don't surround him with shooters and guys who can move and, and, and other people can score when he's off the floor. So um, I say adios and rest in peace to my uh, pal, Brett Brown, who used to, when he had his long beard, look like a homeless man who showed up to court. Um, I do really wish him well, and I, 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 I don't think anybody would envy the, the job that he had to inherit worth going through the process for those few years, and he deserved a chance to try to make it win, uh, make it happen, but uh, probably should have been, certainly I think he should have been fired after the end of last season, um, but uh, now it's into the great beyond, and the fact that Elton Brand hasn't been fired yet is uh, a big, you know, just as big a problem. And I'm hoping that if the Rockets fire Daryl Morey, that the Sixers will um, 
Firebrand and hire Mori. And, uh, you know, could get into the Sam Hinkie discussion a little bit, but that's not, that's not for today. Um, so, adios, Brett Brown. I wish you well, and I hope you go to the Western Conference and uh, get a team and, and show the world that you can be a good coach in a different situation. And the playoffs, I mean, listen, I've, I've been vocal about the fact that I feel the NBA is doing an incredible job with producing a product in, in the bubble and the pandemic. And, um, you know, it's been – Major League Baseball had some major hiccups early on. They seem to be a little bit ironed out. Um, we'll see what happens with football, but the NBA has done a great job. I thought the experience visually was fantastic for given the circumstances. It's like – you don't often realize that they're not uh, in, a, in, a, in a regular arena. And for those of you who play NBA 2K, it like kind of feels like you're watching an NBA 2K game with the real players. But I can say that, you know, there's just, when it comes to the playoffs, not having the fans, it's a difference. It, it obviously, you know, home court means something. But like even to the energy at, um, at home, it, it, it's... Clearly, the players on can play more freely than they would uh, on the road, um, and so it, it is a little different. And I, and I don't know how it's going to impact the the playoffs overall, but I certainly, you know, the Nuggets came back from a three-one deficit, and you know, I, I don't think that they would have been able to do that uh, if they had to play. You know, at least one game on the road, uh, that would have been difficult. Um, I don't know if Miami gets the first game off of Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, I certainly don't think Boston gets two games off of um, Toronto in Toronto. So, uh, you know, this this was why when I was talking about bets during these playoffs, that I liked kind of the underdogs in the middle of the road. Um, and, I mean, I don't know how I feel about that going forward. I mean, the Western Conference does clearly look like, you know, the Lakers-Clippers showdown is coming. And that's what we all, I think, would like to see. And I think, you know, in, in, in my world, I would have preferred a situation where they had reseeded. Uh, hey, look, the ice cream man's coming. Can everybody hear the ice cream man? Oh, who, who still goes to the ice cream man? Um... You know, I would have preferred a situation at the very least where they had reseeded the, the final four. So this way, that the, you know, they're all in the same place. There's no reason that uh, one couldn't have played four and, and two play three. Um, and I, and honestly, I don't even know if the, how much that changes it. I would have to look at the records. But I, I think it would have given teams a reason to play uh, uh, more towards the end of the, the bubble. Um, but Because ultimately, I would have liked to have seen the Lakers-Clippers championship. And, uh, I, I mean, can you imagine Celtics Heat on one side and Lakers Clipper on the other side? It just, I, I don't think the winner of the Lakers Clippers will have a walk, but, you know, again, I, I think you can understand that I would have rather, you would have rather seen the Lakers play the Celtics and the Clippers play the Heat and then let the finals be the finals. But any way you look at it, enjoying having NBA back, it's, uh, you know, there, there have been some players who put on a show. So that kind of leads me into the sport card stuff that I wanted to talk about. And this is, um, it's a weird thing uh, because, you know, I grew up in an era where kind of the same thing happened. 
I you know I started collecting uh, baseball cards almost solely in the in the early to mid '80s. Probably around, I mean I actually remember buying my first get, getting my first baseball cards 1978. I'm that old um, as a as a tiny tiny child, and I you know I had cards for a little while, and then it became a thing in the mid '80s around I'd say '85, and it was you know. It was a craze, and and it's it, it, it's not, not thinking the exact same thing, but uh, you know, uh, they were everywhere, and everybody was buying them. And if you went to like a supermarket or a, a pharmacy or whatever, like people were, you know, paying off the clerks to to get the the good stuff that would show up, and it, it was you know, it was it, it was it was fun. Um, I sold my entire collection when I was a freshman in college because I could see that it was, you know, one, I just wanted the money and I, I, I kept one card. I kept the, my favorite card, which is the Larry Bird Magic Johnson rookie, sold the rest and, uh, probably a mistake now at the time it seemed because, you know, for almost 25 years, it's remained dormant. And the question now as a lot of people are asking, is this a bubble? Is this not a bubble? Isn't that everything? You know, crypto, the stock market, uh, uh, sports cards. And I wonder if they're not all just interlinked. Is, uh, you know, while the stock market goes up or while certain things go up, um, there's just money. And, uh, and then people have it around. Now, I, I don't really know uh, of whether this is a bubble. Clearly, nobody knows. And I think I learned my lesson from the stock market, which is, you know, I thought it was going to go down and it went up, and I was very fortunate to go, you know what, maybe you you don't know so much. You're not as smart as you think you are. So I didn't place the bet that I wanted to bet, and uh, that saved me a lot of money. So sometimes, uh, you know, knowing you're not as smart as you think you are uh, is a good thing. So with this, you know, I, I think there's many aspects to the whether sport cards are bubble. So... Part of it, let's look at There's so many different things going on. There's the modern cards versus the vintage cards. And the modern cards, which you're starting to see, is like, oh, Luca rookies selling for 10000 2000 I mean, they're, they're, um, there's so many different versions. I mean, that, this is the way they've created scarcity. You know, if you have a card that's 30 years old, over time, there's attrition. You know, the, the cards get damaged. They get thrown away. They, whatever happens to them. Um, so there's a limited number of them. Now they want to make things scarce, so they just say, okay, we're going to do a blue opal one. There's one of one card, so it makes it ex extremely scarce. Now, whether there are 12 different editions where there are five versions of one of ones, I don't know. I mean, still, that would only be, what, 60? Um, so that's questionable. I, ultimately, things are worth what people will pay for them. And the reason that you would think that it's a bubble is you kind of got to look at, like, just look at how fast prices are going up. Now, me personally, I buy, I don't buy anything new. I don't buy new because I just, I, I don't even like the way the cards look these days. Um, so I think that's part of it. And the overwhelming cost and the concept that, you know, you, you can't necessarily buy it. Um, to me, vintage... I like vintage better because they aren't making any more of them and they have a lot of condition issues. So uh, there's a lot more variation. And that's part of what's happened is that if you look backwards, you know, um, 
when a card came out of a pack, it wouldn't be centered, it would, you know, it'd have printing errors, it would have all sorts of things that could happen to it, but nowadays, when a card comes out of a pack, it's almost always a 9 or a 10. Um, and so that takes part of it out of the out of the realm. And the, another reason that I'm concerned about it being a bubble is that, you know, up until recently, probably the last, probably six months, or you could go to a store and buy cards, like a kid could go to buy a store and buy cards. And now it's like you can't even buy cards. It's like people go to um, whatever, Target, they buy all the Benini prisms that come out, and then they resell them for four times. And, you know, it's like $100 to get 50 cards. Um, so I don't see how that works for kids. Obviously, if it's an adult kind of hobby type of thing, it makes a little more sense. But I, I think long run, that's an issue because the nostalgia that's being created somewhat now um, won't exist eventually because kids aren't going to be able to get them. But may, maybe they are. Um, uh, that's, you know, that's part of it. And, and there's also an argument for, like, but then if you look at vintage uh, kids or younger people right now, they just might not care about people that played in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And obviously the further you go back, the further the question becomes. Um, you know, I particularly uh, collect Dr. J. Um, just out of, it's, it's more about the art than anything else. Um, I love Dr. J's look from the early 70s, the big fro. I, I'm a huge fan of the ABA, which I owned a bunch of ABA cards anyway that I, I, I bought purely for art, have them in frames in my office. Um, so I was just like, all right, I've got this. So I own every Dr. J card except for basically the, the rookie. Um, and, and not all in great condition. But again, I like the art. There's certain years I like better. Than, than others, but I, I don't know if anybody 20 or th even 30, do they really care about Dr. J? I mean, when I was a kid and I collected, I didn't never saw Mickey Mantle play, but I was like, oh, shit, I'd love to have a Mickey Mantle card um, or Willie Mays or, or whoever it might be. So I, maybe they do, maybe they have an appreciation for him, maybe they don't. Um, uh, that's that's part of it. I, I, you know, there are some things that I think are are interesting like you know when they do create the one of ones and all that stuff but some of the stuff it doesn't sit right with me like they, well, i guess they call them relics where it's like you were the autographs and the relics like a relic would be where they you know they take patches from jerseys and put them in a card so you get like a steph curry and it's like a piece of his jersey and it's on a card and it's like oh we made it one out of 50 i'm like have you looked up how much uh game used steph curry jury jersey is and it's like okay so if you cut that into 500 pieces what is that worth so i think they're creating a sense of worth and the same thing kind of goes for autographs which it's like yeah it's nice to have an autograph but like what does it cost to actually buy the autograph so those are the ones where i'm like eh, i think that you know they're melding memorabilia with card collecting which is interesting but i just don't think that there's any rarity to that like, I mean, it's not like they're like, oh, here's a piece of Steph Curry's jersey from Game 7 of this, you know, like that to me, there would be something a little more interesting. And I, so I think that those are the type of cards I think will probably have a bubble. When people go, mm, does it really matter? There are a lot of cards with Steph Curry's uh, autograph on it and um, what have you. I think of the modern cards, like, you know, uh, the 2012 Panini, which is like the first Panini, which matches up to the 1986 flirt. It's funny because I should mention this. Like, I'm talking about sports. I'm all, you know, they used to be called baseball cards. 
and now they're called sports cards, but they're really basketball cards. Um, the baseball card market is kind of strong, but not nearly uh, what has seen the growth in basketball. And it's kind of amazing uh, to look at. I mean, there are I mean there are particular stars in other sports, um, but I, I just think that basket, uh, baseball is just, you know, the sports follow pop culture. So I think baseball has kind of been overdone. Um, and basketball is such a bigger part of pop culture. Um, and, you know, it's weird. Hockey gets no play. Um, football, I have this, this thing where I, th- I... Part of the reason I think basketball does so well is this, which is there are just fewer players, and you're more likely to pull a star from a pack. And that kind of has a reverse thing, which is it makes the, the stars probably more, per, you know, there are more of them. So, but it makes it more fun because you're, you know, if you're getting football, it's like I got nine offensive lineman cards in a pack, and it's like these are not what excite people. I mean, we all appreciate offensive linemen for what they do, but it's like not, you know, we want the people who score. We want the receivers, the running backs, the the quarterbacks, um, and you know, maybe some of the defensive impact players. But they're so few and far between that it's kind of not fun. Um, so I think that's part of the reason why basketball has done so well is that, like, if you do open packs, um, you're likely to get stars just because there are fewer cards in a set. Um, so there are more of, of, of those. And, you know, I looked at, like, I, I, I'm going to get to it later, but I love opening packs. Like, I, I don't know why. Like, I think it's nostalgia, childhood. I bought a couple boxes, and it was just like, oh, my God. The, it was like a drug. Honestly, that's what it felt like. It was so euphoric to be like, just the crack of the wax. Oh, man, it was, it was awesome. So, I mean, again, like, I'm not, I am not I'm being negative at all. I'm just trying to look at this from, you know, a point of view, and it's just one person's point of view. Um, another thing to take into account, and I'm going to get into a whole bunch of shit, but I'm just trying to lay the groundwork, like graded versus non-graded, which is another, like, hey, maybe you know about all this stuff, maybe you don't, but they're like, you know, cards that have been graded. They send to a professional place, they tell you how good it is. And most places rate it from, you know, say 1 to 10. Basically, you know, it costs somewhere around, let's just say, 10 to 20 bucks to get a card uh, uh, graded. Um, and it's becoming harder because so many people are getting cards graded. Um, but, you know, there are multiple. Uh, PSA is pretty much, I think, the standard. Uh, I mean, people might argue there's Beckett, there's SGA, and then there's some rinky-dinky ones that... You know, so you'll see a card on eBay that says it's, oh, it's graded as a 10. It's like five diamond. It's like, I don't know what it takes. You know, there's really no thing where I can't print up my own, start my own grading service and call the, the fish cake grading service and start giving my own cards a 10, you know. So, and there is a big difference because I'll look at an 8 and, you know, a PSA 8 and it'll be a, the same thing as a 10 on a, on a, in a different card. So, um, graded versus non-graded, I think that, um, you know, when you're buying them, it depends on what you want. Like, I, you know, when you buy graded, you're counting on the market going up. You're not really finding treasures unless you're underpaying. Um, whereas with, you know, if you, what they call ungraded card, raw cards, it's like, yeah, maybe, you, you know, you're kind of like gambling a little bit there. It's like, maybe uh, the, the, I'm going to be able to buy a 10. This person doesn't want to spend the time or they don't really care about grading. Um, and you can, you can try to buy it. Um, so... I go back and forth. I buy mostly non-graded cards because I'm just not looking to make this a business. Um, I'm just more doing it for fun. 
Um, I do enjoy uh, more buying than selling. I sell very, very few. Uh, so, again, that's kind of like, is it a bubble? My answer to that is, I think it is. I mean, I think it is. If you just look at the growth rate. I mean, uh, it's not natural for cards to uh, increase by 400% and 600%. I, I don't, you can't paint everything with the same brush. That doesn't mean that, you know, oh, the Luca rookie that sold for $100,000 is not going to be worth $100,000. But the ones that are selling for 2000 might be more available, so they might be 1000 Or, hey, the older cards, you know, the Michael Jordan rookies and, and stuff like that, they may hold their value because the customers um, might be there. So I, 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 I think it's a bubble, you know, partly because... You know, these cards are made by corporations, and they're going to have to figure out a way to get more of them out there. If you were uh, Topps or Panini, and and people were paying off the stock boys to to get the cards, you know, you you don't want to you know you don't want to saturate the market and destroy it, but you'll figure out a way to get more cards out there. You just will because you have you you know you're going to take advantage of that, and th that also worries me about the one on one stuff and. Um, you know, there are people who work inside a company. How hard is it, you know, I mean, obviously if it's numbered, like there can't be two one-of-ones, right? Um, but, they, you know, I, couldn't you just create your own car? Like, I mean, obviously, they're, they're going to have internal security and all that other stuff. But it's going to be tempting for people to fuck with the system. There have already been, you know, scandals at, uh, I believe at PSA, there's something called the Baseball Card Exchange, which is that they do that with, closed packs so they um they basically verify that the packs haven't been opened and they haven't been searched and so if you buy a box that they verified it's more than if you you had it and i'm pretty sure there have been some scandals there it's just gonna happen people are greedy and that's the nature of it so i you know i i don't i don't do you want me to tell you can it go up from here oh absolutely can it go up from here can it go down from here sure what I what, what would I tell you to buy? I mean, are you trying to just purely make money? If you're trying to purely make money, I have no idea. Um, uh, to me, I I would buy. Um, I, I'll 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 tell you where the stuff that I bought that I thought was investment level was kind of some underappreciated stars of the '90s and 2000s, like uh, Steve Nash, Grant Hill, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan. Uh, I think all those guys are their their cards are undervalued. Um, certainly, I, I, Steve Nash is like a two time MVP and is valued at a fraction of a lot of other players. And I think that's you know those guys will get their time to shine in the future. Um, I think again, Tim Duncan, top ten player all time, way way undervalued in comparison to say you know James Harden or Wessel, Russell Westbrook or. The concept of Luka Doncic being worth more than uh, Tim Duncan doesn't make any sense to me. It just doesn't. I mean, I think Luka's a, an amazing star, and he could eventually be uh, one of the on the pantheon of greatest players. These are guys who've already been there and already done that. So, those, you know, those are the things that I buy. Um, the other thing I like to buy is um, vintage, what they would call, like, league leaders or team leaders cards. Um, because... Like, let's say with uh, Joyce Irving, Dr. J. His rookie year, there are three cards. There's the base card is, like, main card. 
um, which sells for you know any in upwards of five to ten thousand dollars. There's his All Star card, which sells for it's an, that's another card. That's a card I love. Um, you know, sells for about twenty percent of that. So depending on the grade, and then there's a League Leaders card where he's on a card with Artist Gilmore and one other guy, and I think Ron Boone. And to me, that that sells for you can buy one for fifteen bucks. And it's his rookie year. He's, it's one of the only cards he's on the Squires, the Virginia Squires. So, like, having upside, I mean, they, there are probably fewer of those around in certain situations than of the main card. I get that the main card is more attractive, but we're talking about, you know, maybe underdeveloped areas. I've done the same thing with uh, George Gervin, uh, Moses Malone. A lot of the ABA guys, because they came into the league, were league leaders or team leaders. Um... Again, those cars are visually beautiful. The the ABA they had such style. Um, and side note, one of my favorite cards is there's like one year that uh, Will Chamberlain played like for a week in the ABA on the San Diego Conquistadors. Conquistadors, and that's like a, that's one of my favorite cards. And so, you know, those are the type of things that I like to invest in. Is people stuff that might be overlooked. Um, clearly, you know. You know, right now, it's like you buy a PSA this, and then it goes up. I mean, you kind of could have bought anything uh, in the last few months, and it gone up, kind of. Um, now, there, there's a, you know, the, this has brought on, you know, a, a lot of tools. And, I, and I'm, again, I'm sitting here like I'm an expert. I'm not an expert at all. I'm a hobbyist. I'm somebody who, like... Uh, when there was, wasn't a lot of sports, and um, between now and football, it's, it's you know, uh, my work is not really uh, taking up a ton of my time right now, so I mess around with stuff. So there's a few tools, like there are two free tools that I like to mess with, something called 130 Point, which allows you to look, search, uh, 130point.com, allows you to search eBay sales, so you can type in Iverson Rookie and see what, you know, different ones have sold for, um, and then there's... Uh, PSA, which is the grading company, has something called a population report. So you can be like, all right, how many of those 1973 Julie Serving All-Stars have been graded? So, okay, here's seven, you know, seven out of ten. 200 of them exist. So obviously, you know, that should have some direct correlation to the scarcity of a card. You know, the more of the PSAs that are there, uh, you know, the less scarce they are. Um, so I like to look at those. Now they can fool you because you got to remember it costs whatever ten twenty dollars to grade a card. So like let's say those Steve Nash rookies that I've been buying, they're so cheap that I don't think anybody was grading them. So the concept of oh there are only two hundred of them there is like there are only two hundred of them because they weren't worth getting graded before. So you got to be a little careful. But I, they're fun to play with. That's, for me though, that really works for. The old cards, like uh, what you learn about the vintage, especially pre-1980, is there are almost no 10s. Now 10s are like, they have to be 10s. Whereas, you know, you just can't find, um, you know, uh, I don't even, uh, maybe there, a lot of cards that will be like 10 or 20. I don't I think, I want to say like, even with the Irving Rookie, there may be no 10s. Like, there are some cards, there are just no 10s. Um, so it's interesting. It's a fun, fun thing to mess around with. And, um, with the, all the rookies that I bought, like the, the mid nineties, early two thousands that I looked at that and there, 
some of these card sets that I, I mean, there's so many fucking card sets. I'll be like 40 or 50 different card sets in here. Um, and you can mess around with that. Now there are some paid tools like Card Ladder and Market Movers. And Card Ladder is, I think, less expensive than Market Mover. Market Movers is kind of seen as like the gold standard type of thing. Card Ladder, I mean, both what they do is they try to show you like almost a stock market look at a, at a card. So you can be like, oh, how many sales did it do and, and where to go? And I, I have, I have card letters, I've used their paid version. I have not paid for market movers, so how can I really talk about it? Uh, the only thing I talk about is that the, you know, the guy who runs the company who's called the sports card investor, I don't know his real name. It seems like a nice enough guy and uh, whatever. And so he does videos all the time. Um, and he shows like the five biggest movers of the week. So I've seen him use the tool and people talk about using the tool. And um, it looks valuable. Um, it, you know, he he has he has a lot of comments on some of the things I'm talking about, like overprinting and whether it's a bubble and all this stuff. And uh, I I think I'm a little more negative than he is. And you know, obviously, if you're a sports card investor, I don't think you'd be like, hey, I'm negative. This is gonna, you know, they're printing too much. I've got you know a ton of inventory and time put into this, so I'm gonna say negative things. But whatever, you might be right. I might be wrong. Um, one of the things that concerns me about these uh, these couple of tools are that the low amount of data sometimes, like you're looking at, you know, a handful of sales, 10, 10 sales. The 10 sales really determine, is that enough of a sample size to determine whether you should be buying or something? I don't know. Um, and I think sometimes it is. And one of the things they talk about are like ratios is like, oh, you know, if the, whatever, I don't know the, the, the modern terms, like if the, if the silver's going for, you know, the, the chrome's going for a thousand, then the, the raw is going to go for, should go for 20% of that, but it's only going for 10, so you should buy it now because it's going to go to 20%. That stuff might help for, um, I think what I've learned about auctions is that auctions really, you would, you'd like to think that people have looked at all these tools and have looked at all the different prices, but people just get sucked up in auctions. And I know I did early on, but I just wasn't really caring <laughs> i don't want to say caring but i was like uh this card has this value to me and i would just buy something and the other idea is like i'm not gonna let this motherfucker outbid me so i think auctions can kind of skew the data which uh you know i'll get into whatever i mean so uh so i mean those those tools are good they're fun um but uh, you know it's kind of like touting with the market movers is like, I think it's like 40 bucks a month. So unless you're really spending money, you're really going to invest. I mean, I think the value is not necessarily there. Um, but if you are going to invest, I think it's, you know, obviously if you're putting heavy money in there, then it has to be valued. It should just be looked at as a percentage of what you spend overall. But I would start with 130 point because um, I find that to be incredibly valuable and free. Um, and the PSA pop report. So, um, uh, let's see. So, next thing I was going to talk about was just like opening boxes. As I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I bought a few boxes and I bought, uh, I think, 9091 Fleer basketball. Um, and it was, again, I hadn't opened a pack of cards in, I don't know, 30 years. I think the ice cream man's back. Um, so it was, it was just, a, it was just amazing. It was a lot of fun. And, um, but that's from an era they call junk wax, which again, depends on the sport, uh, because baseball, that's kind of around the late eighties to early nineties, 
Whereas with basketball, it's a little, just a couple years later, and those couple years make a huge difference. Because um, I think I ended up buying three boxes, one of Fleer and a couple of hoops. I mean, the, the cost of boxes have skyrocketed. And again, I only know that because when I, I watched these, these breaking shows on YouTube, which I don't know, I mean, I love them. And I have no idea why. I mean, they're the, from the eras that I like. They're fucking mesmerizing. You know, I just watch people open packs of cards for hours, and it's I don't I don't understand it. Like I really have no concept of why I love it so much. Um, but they'll you know they'll talk about a pack a box they bought. And they'll be like, oh yeah, I bought this for like eighteen dollars, and I'll be like, um, that box goes for a hundred and twenty now, and these videos are like three and four months old. So I think you know there are a lot of people who must be experiencing the same feeling that I am where it's like, oh my God, I love opening boxes. I want boxes. And it's, it's a horrible, almost a, always a horrible investment. They, um, you know, they're, they're priced as if you're going to get uh, the most expensive card in the best condition. Um, so they say the people that invest, invest in them don't open them. They just, they just keep them and resell them. But um, unless you're buying the super expensive stuff, you're kind of just throwing your money away. Like the three boxes I bought, um, I, I looked recently at some of the cards uh, that were for sale, and I was just seeing, like literally, uh, screen after screen, a scroll, scroll, scroll of these cards, and no bids. Just nobody bidding on them, nobody buying them, because just, there's just too many of them. Um, and I'm gonna, you know, I'll, I'll get into the, to the eBay issue with that in a second, but uh, there, there's another reason for that. Um, but I'll go back to breaking shows for a second, which is like when I watch breaking shows, and there are a couple kinds are pre-recorded, and there are live ones. And you know, on the live ones, like people, you kind of like can buy in. So uh, they they buy a box, and you buy a pack, and they randomize it, and they open it for you, and it's usually kind of expensive. Um, and I don't really love those shows as much as I like kind of the pre-recorded hobbyists opening their own boxes, um, because those guys come across as like, if you've ever seen like late night TV where they're like selling knives or coins or something, they're like, that's what they come across as like this over salesman-y like that people, you know, so people feel like they're getting value. They fucking ring bells when a card come Oh, ring a bell. Like, I, I mean, I... Different strokes for different folks, but I like it. Just feels too fake for me, and um, and I, you know, I, I long not long story short, but the, my feeling on boxes is it fucking sucks because I want to open boxes and I love it, but they're overpriced and they get no value. So like, unless you want to pay, I mean, literally, I, I don't think you can get a box that has any value in it uh, of you know vintage. Uh, for less than a couple hundred bucks. Um, modern, the reason, the reason I say vintage is because modern, they'll be like, we'll sell you a box, but there's 12 packs with five cards, so you get 60 cards. Whereas the old boxes were 36 packs with 15 cards, so you're getting, you know, 400 plus cards. So, is that, maybe it's more, it's more, it's 540. Um, so, like, you know, you get worked by that. So essentially, you know, you buy a new box and you pay 100 bucks, but it's like four packs of the old boxes. So... Again, it's like it's almost impossible. And then there's a whole era where they couldn't keep the cards from sticking together. So you'll open a pack and you'll pull cards out and they're stuck together. So you could get the best card possible and you it'll like tear apart from the end another card and it'll just suck. So 
it's sad. Basically, what I'm saying is don't buy don't buy packs and boxes. Other than like if you're doing it as if you were going to see a movie, that like when you're done with it, you basically have spent almost all of it. I think from the, I think across the three boxes I bought, I probably only spent about a hundred bucks between the three of them, and you know, I I don't even know. I mean, I got tons of what they would call the good cards, but no, like I mean, I got probably fifteen Jordans and they're worthless. I have maybe one. The one Fleer Jordan I got might be worth, you know, I think I might have. A, it's certainly a nine, maybe a ten. Uh, if it's a 10, then it would pay for everything. That's kind of how screwed up it is. But, you know, you want to look. Go look up 9091 Fleer Jordan or 9091, like, Larry Bird. That was the one I looked up. And I was like, holy shit, these are 79 cents each, and nobody's buying them. And you're like, oh, 79 cents, I'll buy them. This is where the eBay, and eBay has an issue, which is like, so, you know, shipping cards costs four bucks basically sometimes you know people will do regular mail it's 49 cents but then who knows if they're protected but usually it costs four bucks to ship a card so who the fuck's buying uh you know a 79 cent card to pay four dollars so basically you're paying five dollars for the card when it's you know it may be worth two bucks but you can't get it for two bucks because of the nature of thing uh, you know there's got to be a way to fix that and maybe there is and i don't know about it i've actually been this guy on Twitter who like posts cards and like you can bid on them on Twitter and then he accumulates them over the course of the month and you only pay one uh, shipping thing. It's too complicated on eBay to figure out one shipper and all that that other stuff. Um, but I, you know, I think somebody should start a site where it's like shop. I'm I'm sure there are where you can buy a bunch of these cheap cards and then you don't have to pay a bazillion dollars in shipping um, because it just doesn't make sense. Um, let's see. So one other thing that I would mention. Uh, about eBay is what they call sniping, and again, you may know that. I mean, everybody should know that. You know, the eBay auction system. Uh, people have been finagling it forever, um, but what sniping is, is essentially people who wait for the very last second to up their bid. But what I didn't, I always knew that that happened. I didn't know. I mean, I knew there was. I suspected there was software that people could utilize to, you know, snipe bids um, and and get in there in the last second. Um, but what I didn't know is that eBay fully endorses this, uh, that they basically say, oh, it's, it's totally cool. We're, we're, we're totally cool with it. I mean, I guess if you think about it, well, does it help drive up the, the price? I mean, you're basically just letting somebody in at the last second to drive it up. What I think it does is it creates an – I actually don't agree with that because I think it creates an unnatural auction that somebody basically doesn't have to put their price in to the last second. I, it, Again, I'm not against it. I, it's 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 the software is so good. It, the software is so good that you know people can come in with like five six seconds left. Um, if 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 the software was just like left a minute or two minutes, uh, I, I think it would be a huge benefit. But you know, because you'll watch a card, you'll watch it for five days, and uh, the card's at nineteen dollars. It's at twenty two dollars. It's twenty three dollars, and you know, and like oh maybe I'll get a deal, and then in the last thirty seconds, the card will you know, quintuple in, 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 in price, just because there are two snipers who are literally, blah, 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 and they're just going back at, at each other. And it's like, okay, I was never in this. I just wasted my fucking time. So, I mean, ultimately, 
you know, part of that is like the fun for me is like seeing if I can get a, a deal. So, I mean, obviously I can get sniping software and just be like, oh, this is the max I'll pay for a card, put it in at the last second and let me know later. But that's, that's like I said, it's part of the fun. It's like almost like opening a pack. It's like, can I win an auction at the right price? And, uh, you know, I get some joy out of it if I can get a deal that I like. Um, so that kind of sucks the joy out of it. So I don't want to implement it. it. This reminds me of like when I played more daily fantasy sports it's like when it got to a point where it was like all about the grind and making a dollar um it wasn't fun for me so if i want to work i'll work if i want to play i'll play so i mean that's kind of what you have to decide with this too is it a hobby is it something you're trying to make money off of obviously if you're trying to make money off of you should be sniping um if you're just playing around decide where where there are things that you like um you know again uh, uh, you know, when I was talking about sports before, I didn't bring up that, you know, people are trying to look next level and like soccer now is becoming this major new world of, of where sports cards is going and that these, their cards are rapidly growing. And I, you know, I bid on some of those. I'm literally, I don't even know their, know what position they play, what, you know, how to spell their name, what team they play for, what country they play for. And I'm bidding on cards and, you know, I just stopped. Because I was like, um, you know, if I can get them for a few bucks, it'd be one thing. But, you know, suddenly they're the same thing. 50, 100, 200. I'm like, what? what I, you know, it's like buying stock that you know nothing about the company. You're just like, you've heard that they're good and that they're going to go up. That's just not in my nature of things to do. So, I don't know. I mean, again, I, what I'd say is that there's so much to learn about sports cards. There's so much information out there. And, um you know, I enjoy it as a hobby and I get the entertainment out of the shows and even the idiots. I mean, you know, and, and that stuff, it's fun to love, fun to hate on some level too. And, you know, I just say, be careful, you know, just like anything else. I think that, you know, if you're buying to invest, just like anything else, limit it to what your what the downside is. Could the bottom fall out of this stuff? Absolutely. Could it triple? Absolutely. Because especially if you're buying rare, I mean, you know, I, 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 this is like, do as I say, not as I do is like, I don't buy tens because they're just too pricey. Like, and I just don't care. Like, I don't want to, I would rather have, you know, five different nines than one ten, And that's probably not the way to go. Um, cause the tens are going to hold their value better. And, but I just, I like I, I love the, uh, and I get back to, I love the art of certain things. I rarely buy a card that I think is ugly. Um, and that's, you know, again, that's something to think about, which is, I, I think that that's something, there are some future realms. I mean, you have to think about this. It's like so much of the stuff was valueless a few years ago, and now it has tons of value. And that's going to happen again. I don't know where or when in, in cards. I mean, God, Pokemon cards are worth a billion dollars. Never collected them, know nothing about them. But the concept of that just, you know, blows my mind. So there's something else out there like that now. Maybe it's not in sports cards. Maybe it's in there. But maybe there's something inside that people are just throwing away or don't care about that will have value going forward. So I say collect what you love. Um, I love to collect for the art. Uh, and that, you know, I recommend that because if you have something visually pretty, um, that you, uh, you know, when you find, I, I want to find some better places to, uh, get 
some things that'll allow me to hang my cards and create kind of like wall like wall art from my cards and I'm you know it's not the idea I'm not trying to be like oh look at all the value I'm like literally pretty again I, should, I wish I uh, maybe I'll post some pictures on my Twitter feed of the the, the couple of frames I have of some old ABA cards because I just love the way the cards look I love the way the frames look and I wish I could do like and that's what I want to do with my Dr. J cards it's like I want to put them all in a frame and uh, or you know or a couple of them I don't I don't know but there aren't a lot of options that um, that treat the cards like art um, and they, they may usually treat them as like memorabilia as like you know, they look crappy. It's like, oh, here's like a picture of a baseball field and the center is, is where you put your baseball card or a court. It's like, no, they're art. They shouldn't, they need to be displayed like art and frames. And, 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 and you know, what I have now is it's closer to that. It's very clean. It's just like slots for cards. Um, and, you know, I try to cho- carefully choose like the, the colors and the, and, and I, I think there's a future in that. So, yeah, again, I could be wrong. Uh, you know, in closing, uh, Dr. J, not Dr. J, Michael Jordan has joined, joined the board of DraftKings. And when I woke up this morning, the stock was up, uh, almost 10% on that, which is like a few hundred million dollars. And it, it has since come down, but it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, I think that's cool. I wonder if he's going to be like, you know, him and Charles don't necessarily get along anymore. He's like, no more Charles Barkley in the commercials. But it's amazing to see how far they've come, uh, DraftKings, uh, and to see how they kind of have left FanDuel in the dust for now. For now. I mean, FanDuel, I mean, FanDuel has a great sports book. And we'll see how that, how all that kind of, you know, unfolds. It'll be interesting when Penn comes out this fall with Portnoy is moving to, uh, to Philadelphia, which is going to be interesting for the fall, uh, when they launch, um, I think that company is way overvalued, but shit. I thought it was overvalued at almost 40% less. So clearly stocks only go up, as my boy Stool Presidente likes to say. So I, again, I wish them all well. It's, it's so neat to see a company like DraftKings that, you know, I, I must have been one of their first 500 customers um, to see them now be a multi-billion dollar publicly traded company. It's, it, it's pretty cool, and I'm, I'm happy for all those guys. Um, that my opinion on their stock price or the value of Michael Jordan has nothing to do with what they've accomplished. This is just more of like the running commentary of, of you know, how st- stupid things like that should not be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, that's pretty much going to do it for today. I mean, I ran on. I hope, uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening to my rants about sports cars. And if you, you know, you have things to add, just let me know um, because I'm interested to hear. I, I know, I know. You know, only a smidgen of what's out there. Uh, you know, I'm just using my basic instincts on business to try to get a sense for the hobby and, and other stuff. So I appreciate you listening. Uh, I'll be back soon. Uh, love you all. I'm out of here. Have a great day.